When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome to the PHLY podcast on a snow day Friday. Zach, how are you? Doing great. Excited for the show. Happy to be back in character. Uh, back in. Oh, so as, this is a character that you've been playing all these years. Happy to be back as myself, I should say. And I realized the, the joys of a snow day for mm. these kids, right? I was preparing for the show and my son was, was uh, playing NBA 2K. And he was, uh, he, he was the all-star team and he was playing against the Spurs and, and he's, he's telling me how, how much he's like cooking the Spurs to use his language. And I'm like, you're, you're the all-star team. You should be. Okay. So that's, that's that was the joy of know. snow day. I thought that was leading to like a, a specific, uh, no, the joy of snow day is, is you know, playing romantic is, memory of your own or something like that. But. Yeah. Play. I used to have those, those college football dynasties and those Madden franchises. Yeah, nothing better than a snow day. Come on. Exactly. Although out shoveling this morning, it was, it was good to do that. And back. Uh, I'm surprised you are even people. willing to admit that a snow day is good. It's, it's a, it's a wasted opportunity to be productive. It's, you know, you're not getting your work in. Well, it's more opportunity to be productive because uh, you know, you're not commuting. Right. So not there's actually. There's there's 30 more times to oh for the kids, true, true. But but for us, thrilled to be on here and excited to talk Eagles. Busy day. This this meeting between the two of us is not the most important meeting today. It's the meeting disagree between Jeffrey Laurie and Nick Sirianni, which I imagine will probably go a little differently than uh, than our show yesterday went. I would but, hope for Nick's sake. <laughs> I I would hope for Nick's sake too. I feel badly. I don't think I represented Nick as. Uh, intelligent as he might be and i think i mean i, I would agree with that <laughs> wow Jeez. well you were playing a part but i mean and yeah then, if, if nick goes into jeffrey like you went in yesterday then yeah he's done and then i i i think jeffrey is is probably a little more amicable uh <laughs> than than you well than only you if somebody's were, bringing something intelligent to us to his dossier to his desk you were like a, a machiavellian uh, owner i, mean, uh, I don't were, think so i think i was just reacting to what you were giving me I was waiting for you to say, call me Mr. Lurie, not Jeffrey, right? Because you had a little Daniel Snyder in you during that show. I'm going to leave that one alone. Uh, I don't think I don't think so. I think I re- I think I was acting if 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 you if Nick had came in the way you came in, I think he would get the response that Jeffrey was giving. Oh, him sure. Yesterday. Yeah, I, I think uh, I mean, realistically, there there should have been more of a tangible plan that i offered which i actually had and i was getting to it but i i think i kind of got sidetracked by some of the stuff at the beginning right to explain what happened i was ready to explain what we're going to do in terms of i had a whole thing about 
utilizing Arthur Smith's motion. But nonetheless, I'm curious to see what what happens today. Arthur Smith's your big answer, huh? It's not my big answer. It was it was more bringing different ideas and thoughts to the table as opposed to running with just the same offense that's been utilized during the past three years. But well, let's uh, let's talk about let's let's talk about the meeting itself and what you actually think is going to happen in that meeting, uh, you know, away from playing the role. What do you think? What do you think Nick is going to bring to the table? And what do you make of, you know, this meeting happening on a Friday and not earlier in the week? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, it, it sounded like there were logistical hangups there. Now, now the game was Monday night. The exit interviews were Wednesday because they got in late Tuesday. Realistically, you probably would have liked this to happen on, on Wednesday or Thursday. But I actually uh, it, this makes more sense to me. I, I, I'm always a little bit surprised at how quickly those meetings happen. Like, you know, you pick your head up from losing in the playoffs. You need it. You probably need a couple of days to get your thoughts together sure. and reflect on things. And like the you know the reports of uh, both Nick and Howie reaching out to prospective coaching candidates. Like, in in order to formulate a, a real plan, you need you need some time to put some of that stuff together. You're right. And the the thing too is, and Nick said this after the game on Monday night that he wasn't preparing to lose. Right. So he didn't have this. Prepare to lose, lose to prepare. So he didn't have this this pitch ready to go. I imagine. You know, he said he he didn't have their their day after. You know, their their exit interviews prepared either, right? Because uh, uh, to your point, he was he was preparing to play a, a game against the Detroit Lions this weekend. So I I do think that there is validity to taking a few days. Certainly, meeting with your players, you owe your players that, you owe your staff that. And then you get a chance to meet with Jeffrey Lurie. It's it's much different when a decision has has, has already been made. You know, if you're in a, a Ron Rivera seat, for instance, and it's like everyone knows this is coming the day after the season, right? Sure. Uh, this is obviously much more nuanced, and um, I'm curious to see what comes out of it. My my guess is it's going to have a lot less to do with the plan in or like the schematic plan or or. Uh, the offensive and defensive principles and much more to do with staffing, I imagine, because what you do is you put a staff together and then you put your plan. Like, I think it, w- it would be odd for Nick to say, this is what our offense is going to look like next year. Because if, if you know what your offense is going to look like, why didn't you do this two weeks ago or four weeks ago or six weeks ago, right? If you have these grand plans to fix your offense, what you do is you have a general philosophical approach. You put your staff together and then you try to add, you know, you you try to adjust based on the staff you have in place. Yeah, I think that's I think that's right. I think there's a little bit of uh, room in between those two things where, you know, we want to we want to add certain elements to the offense. And, you know, we want to we want to hire people who can bring that or maybe there is a general defensive philosophy and we want to hire somebody who can help fit that. But yeah, you're not you're not you know putting together game plans a week after the season's over. Precisely. Do you think that you have moved the needle for yourself anymore on what you think is going to happen? I sort of feel I, like the 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 twisting in the wind that Sirianni has to do all week here as as we like wait for the meeting and everybody around the league speculates on what's going to happen is kind of like his punishment in a way. And yeah, you said that. 
unless unless the meeting really goes badly, which it could. You know, if if Nick brings something silly to the table and says we're going to run it back with everybody, and Matt yeah. Patricia is going to be my defensive coordinator, then you know maybe maybe Jeffrey makes a move. Yeah, I I think he's going to stay. I don't say that with the utmost conviction here. I mean, I'm Rob, I'm a reporter. I'm trying to find out more, but also I'm not in that room, so I'm I'm dealing with an information deficit. I don't think this is apples for apples to the Doug Peterson situation in uh, after the 2020 season, in large part because that was five years in, right? That was after a three-year slide, if you will. That was after a 4-12 and season. And they, would tell you, they would tell you that three-year slide included two playoff appearances. Sure, sure. But, but point being that I think there was much more probably built up there. If you recall the year before, there was the whole thing with, with, uh, Mike, with Mike Rowe and Carson Walsh, right? So I think there was more built up there. I think there's less for Nick Sirianni to stand. You know, Nick Sirianni's entering year four. He's still, to use the expression – the coach he's becoming, right? You know, the coach you can become. And there's still there's still growth and evolution from Nick Sirianni's perspective that my guess, and I don't I don't say this with inside information, this is just this is just us talking, is that he might be more amenable to changes and adjustments than Doug Peterson might have been. And I I, I also think it, he not also to, has less equity. He has less of a leg to stand on. Sure. But not to relitigate re- like the 2020 situation, but there were two other factors there. I think there was a part of Doug that was kind of spent, right? Like he yeah. he put up with this. Like Doug, I, I think I, at that point was 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 ready to do it his way. And then also, it seemed like Doug did it Jeffrey and Howie's way the year before, right? So if he was going to come back, it was going to kind of be on his terms, mm-hmm. whereas. Nick hasn't had that. All right, I'll do it your way year yet. He hasn't this had very the Scangarello well, year yet. Exactly, exactly. He hasn't had the Scango year, so that that could be uh, a variable that's that's different in that respect. This might be more comparable to the 2019 going into 2020 season, right when they when they I, lost in the first round of Seattle. Yeah, I, I sort of believe that it's like um, it's Sirianni's job to lose. Basically, sure. you know, he doesn't he doesn't have to go in and, and win the job. He just has to not lose it. He has to have some general cohesive acceptance of what went wrong, like yeah. clear headed and also, you know, a willingness to make make some significant changes. Also, if, if you're of the perspective that Jeffrey would only make a move, <clears throat> excuse me, if he has uh, somebody lined up or if he has an idea of where to go. And you think that option's Bill Belichick? There's a lot of smoke to the Atlanta situation with Bill Belichick. He's going in for a second interview there this weekend. That is a team that needs a quarterback, but they do have talent on both sides of the ball with which he can work. Uh, there's a relationship with Rich McKay. Arthur Blank is a respected owner. Now, I think the Eagles situation is more desirable for sure. The Eagles situation is also not open, right? So that would be. A variable. I mean, we we too. think the Eagles' situation is more desirable. I think it is more desirable for Belichick, mm-hmm. but also yes. at, like Arthur Smith chose the Falcons over 
the Eagles before, right? Like yeah. They're, they're, well, I'm saying the situation was different then than it is now, too. The Falcons' job in 2020 was different than the Eagles' job in, in 2021. A little bit. Yeah. Eagles' job in 2021 was, a, I mean, Carson had demanded a trade. Yeah. Uh, Atlanta was not that great, one. though. I mean, you had, a, you had a washed Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan. Although you didn't know he was washed at that point, but go on. I mean, only if you had eyes. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you're the quarterback evaluator. I mean, what, he's, he was as old as you. Um, that's actually, yeah, he is a year older than me. So he, he graduated class of 2020, uh, class of 2003. I graduated 2004. So he's a year older than me. You went from 2003 to 2004. Yeah, he graduated 2003. Which one do you I prefer? Graduated, it's six and a half dozen. Okay. Uh, all right. I want to talk about I want to talk about some of the specific defensive coordinator candidates out there because I do think that if they keep Nick Sirianni and want to totally change the defense, they are in a good position. Like it is it is a much different situation than it was last year and having to replace Jonathan Gannon. I think there are a lot of uh, good options potentially mm-hmm. out there just because of the way things have shaken loose. So uh, I want to get to that in a minute. But before we do that, let's talk a little bit about Rocket Money, Zach, because uh, you know I've been saving money on Rocket Money, and you can too. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower those bills. Do you pay my bills? Do you pay my Audible bills? I don't think you do, but Rocket Money does. I can see all of my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, I can cancel it with a tap. I never have to get on the phone with customer service, and they will even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash P-H-L-Y. That's rocketmoney.com slash P-H-L-Y. Rocketmoney.com slash P-H-L-Y. I'm hungry. Uh, I've gone out of that. I've, I have not really had much of a breakfast. I haven't left the house other than you know a brief shoveling period. I could use a bagel right now. And if I want a bagel... You know what kind of bagel I want? A Brooklyn-style bagel that's made in Philly. We're talking about huge bagels, the biggest bagels in Philly. And there's a large variety, too. So it's not just the size of the bagel. It's it's the uh, size of the variety here. Usually there's 15 to 20 different types to choose from daily. There's seasonal bagels as well. And I don't just like a bagel variety. I like a cream cheese variety. Think of all the permutations you can use with this bagel and that cream cheese and that bagel and this cream cheese. It's the largest cream cheese variety, 30 different flavors of cream cheese and schmears. Uh, Excuse me. They cater to various sports teams in Philly and in Florida. I'm talking, by the way, about Bagels and Co. And they're an affordable brand. You get a lot of food for cheap. And in today's inflationary world, we think that's key. They've debated raising their prices, but they want to be an everyday brand, not just some high-end place you go to splurge on the weekends, but a place you can go to every day to get the types of bagels you want. For the best Brooklyn-style bagels made right here in Philly, head to www.thebagelsandco.com slash store locator to find the closest Bagels & Co. near you. That's www.thebagelsandco.com slash store locator. 
It's not the size of the bagel in the fight. It's the size of the fagel in the, the fight in the bagel. You nailed that one. Nailed that one. Really, really landed the really landed <laughs> it on that one. It's too early. It's 11 a.m. It's yeah. not too early. What time are you up today? Seven. Okay. For you. What I don't you, know. Prepping for the show? Always. My whole there life is prepping for the show, Zach. I like that. Yeah. Repping Princeton football today. Shout That's out right. to Coach Flynn. And Middlebury Hockey. And Middlebury Hockey. Okay. Um, okay. I think there are um, there are three buckets here of defensive coordinators that we can talk about. There are the you know up and comers who have who have never been NFL defensive coordinators before. Your Al Harris's, who you mentioned yesterday, Chris Hewitt from the Baltimore Ravens, even a Kevin Minter, who was interviewed by the Eagles last year. We can talk about Jesse, those guys. Right? Jesse Minter, sorry. Yeah. Um, we you have the available defensive coordinators, guys who have shaken loose because of head coaching changes. Some a lot of people like Ryan Nielsen from yes. uh, the Falcons, who made a made an improvement for what was what was one of the league's worst defenses. Patrick Graham is on that list. Uh, the the Titans defensive coordinator is on that list. And then you've got the sort of head coach of the defense guys, right? Your Vic Fangio's, who is not available technically, but it seems like there's a little bit of, um, you know. Chatter. Questioning, yeah. Unsuredness about what's going to happen. In Miami, Mike McDaniel did not necessarily go to the bat for Vic Fangio. We know that the Eagles wanted him last year, so maybe there's a way to right that wrong. Uh, Leslie Frazier, who you mentioned yesterday, even Ron Rivera, who has said that he wants uh, back in, that he's be willing, he'd be willing to to take on a coordinator job. Of those, before getting into the specific guys, of those three buckets, which one do you think makes the most sense for where the Eagles are right now? For where the Eagles are right now, I think the head coach of the defense type. The former head coach with kind of the defensive gravitas to come in, and you ha- you might not be getting the up and comer, but you're you probably have a better idea of what you are getting than the first time coordinator. Now, I always am in favor of giving someone an opportunity, and I like the idea of finding the next great coordinator, if you will. Right? I- I'd rather be a year early than a year late on someone as you saw last year with Jesse Minter, for instance. But I think given where the Eagles are right now, I think the the what Wade Phillips once was with the Rams, what Dan Quinn is with the Cowboys, what Jim Schwartz was with the Eagles, that guy who, who comes in with the track record, uh, with that gravitas, I think is probably where they go after having gathered the decide. Now, one by counter, that could be what Matt Patricia was. <laughs> no, I. Uh, the one thing with with this, as opposed to the uh, in 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 studio, is if I have to, you know, call for like clear Whoa. my throat. Where did that thumbs up bubble just come from? <laughs> if I have to cl- the the call for clear my throat, I can wait for the solo shot of you mm. and then do it. But when we're always in the frame, yeah, um, you can't necessarily clear I clear the throat. So what I did actually during yesterday's show. Or no, two days ago, when when we were home, for it was uh, I stopped my camera for a second, put it on mute, and then did that. But in mid sentence, 
and I probably need to clear my throat. Um, yeah, I, I would think that the the uh, former head coach, established defensive coordinator, probably makes sense given the stage that the Eagles are in. I think I agree with you. Um, now you could make a case that you know I, I didn't mention uh, Ajiro Evero, right? Who yes. who uh, is highly thought of and has done a good job with the Broncos and uh, Panthers the last couple of years. You could make a case that he or or even Ryan Nielsen might be considered like that. Uh, that or they Wink could Martindale, just, yeah, right. That, it's not going to be Wink Martindale. Come on, uh, or that they could they could come in. I mean, it's not. It's not going to be Wink Martindale. Do you know this? I mean, are you saying this with authority? You think they want to bring more drama into the building with this guy who like who who philosophically doesn't agree with like let the let the front four go? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I I, I think it's not match. a match. I think it's not a match for the players. Correct, <laughs> or the organization. Uh, I mean, that's a guy who like who gets in fights everywhere he goes. Then they're not hiring Wink Martindale. Um, but I think you can make the case, and and I wonder if this is part of Nick Sirianni's messaging to Jeffrey Lurie is maybe in the wake of Gannon leaving, I was a little bit too involved on the defense this year, and that took me away from being as offensive obsessed as I needed to be to help fix these problems. And so moving forward, what I need to get our offense as good as possible is somebody who I can fully trust to just handle the defense and I don't have to worry about it at all. Um, and I think, I think there is a good case for that. Um, I've always liked the idea of Leslie Frazier. Yes. I was about to say that um, to me, he's the guy, I mean, I'm, I'm going to do a, I think I'm going to do a story for, for all PHLY and, and actually like look through some of these guys track records and, and uh, have some takeaways, but just from a uh, first glance, I like the idea of Leslie Frazier a lot mm-hmm. um, as a fit here. Um, Ajiro Ebro would be up there for me too. And I'm, I'm even, I'm even a little bit interested in the Ron Rivera possibility. Okay. I'm, I'm more interested in the Leslie Frazier than the Ron Rivera possibility. Why is that? It's been a, it's been a long time since Ron Rivera's oversaw the defense, right? Now, I know he's a defensive-minded coach, um, but he's been a head coach for a long period of time here. Yeah, uh, maybe, it's, maybe it's reinvigorating to him. Maybe really so. Just get back to ball instead of having to worry about all that BS. I mean, Leslie Frazier, he's been a coordinator for uh, 14 years. He was a head coach for four years. He runs a scheme that I think, or he's worked in schemes that make sense with the Seagulls personnel. When you look at if you can get pressure with your front, he does blitz more. You know, he, he has that Jim Johnson background. He's worked with, uh, I mean, he's worked with Marvin Lewis. Um, he was, you know, the defensive coordinator when Brad Childress was in Minnesota. Uh, he was a successful head coach there. You look at his at his defenses. He's 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 been kind of all over. In the chat. What's that? The Mike Zimmer shout in the chat. How about that one? Okay. Yeah. I mean, maybe so. Who knows? That's that would certainly fit that profile, right? Um, but Leslie Frazier is is someone who who has a lot of. Um, uh, he comes with the gravitas. He comes with the defensive coordinator experience. There, you, the organization knows him. Now he wants to become a head coach again. He's 64 years old. That that can in some ways work against him. But I I like the idea of Leslie Frazier if you're going for that profile. 
I am not now we'll stick to this profile and, and we'll kind of get to it a little later on, but I like the idea of finding the up and coming guy, whether it's a college coordinator or whether it's a position coach. Uh, but I do wonder if the unknown of that is, is where you go. If you're kind of coaching for your job, if you will. And I think just from a thinking through the path to success standpoint for the Eagles, and you look at this year, like all they need is competence on that side of the ball. Get me to get me to 20th and we've got a shot, right? Just don't be awful. And, you know, Ron Rivera, even if he's not going to be scheming up, you know, the the uh, like the next thing that nobody's thought about on defense or like, you know, the, he's going to be a trendsetter. Same thing with Leslie Frazier, like they're going to get you to competence. Um, and I think I think there's a real selling point to that for the state of the Eagles defense right now. That's a valid point. Now, so you mentioned Rivera. We discussed Frazier there. Who else would you like in this category? So what do you think about Fangio? Well, I think that would kind of be the ideal for them. Brandon Staley, somebody mentions too. Yeah, Sirianni has a relationship with Fangio. The organization has a relationship with, with Fangio. Head coaching experience, considerable coordinator experience. There's there's this idea. I saw this in the chat that stop chasing this Fangio scheme, right? It's getting, I don't want to say exposed, but it's not having the same success around the league. What you hope is that Fangio is uh, smart enough and experienced enough that he can continue to adapt. And with different personnel uh, comes different results too, and that he can try to maximize the personnel that he has here. And that Miami defense, I, I know what people say about the way it looked at the end of the year. They were also look they were also they lost some key pieces toward the end of the year. They lost both their pass rushers, right? Their top or their top edge rushers rather. So uh that that defense might have looked a little different with the talent. Now you have to overcome your talent sometimes, especially if you're a, a great coordinator. I would not be opposed to Vic Fangio if he gets let loose. And I think it could kind of be a a resetting of sorts and certainly someone who uh, knows your team and knows Sirianni. Fair, well said. Um, and and knows Philly too. I mean, would would fit in well in Philly. Big Phillies fan. Oh yeah. Um, tell me what you expect in those meetings to be the conversation about the offensive staff. It's a good question. Uh, I would think it's it's buttressing. That staff, am I using Good the word the correctly? Buttressing. Nice work. Am I using that correctly? I, I saw in the chat, people didn't like when I use permutations for the cream cheese and the bagels. There are different permutations you could use. There's combinations, but there's also – isn't permutations correct there? I don't know. It didn't, it didn't pop to me as incorrect, but okay. I suppose it could be. No, I, I think permutations are – you're going through all the different permutations. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, I think that works. All right. Uh, chat, I mean, I'm I'm always interested in being uh, – or I'm always eager to be corrected. Yeah, I want to be correct. is about the order of things. But, yeah, you can – you would change the order of things. I think that works. Okay. Well, maybe there's permutations and combinations. I should have said that. But I appreciate that, that everyone's uh, following along here. Um, so <laughs> – <laughs> I'm sorry about that. The uh, yeah, I, I think the offensive this is staff the classic you know, thrown off by having to read every comment. <laughs> the offensive staff story of your I life. Say, when I say buttressing, the the your 
I, I would guess they'll keep Ryan Johnson as the coordinator, as the play caller. And you're looking for kind of a senior offensive assistant. I know. Cue up this okay, so now we got to get into it. Everybody's now and everybody's saying and permutations is about order matters. Combination means the order doesn't matter. But if you're ordering your bagel, the perm you can change the permutation. What if you what if you want um, the cream cheese all together and eating it like a sandwich with the cream cheese on it, or you want to split <laughs> it up in half and spread cream cheese on one side and butter on another side, or you want a bagel sand like the way that you're eating it is still the order. The permutation is a little bit different. I've got your back, Zach. Thank you. Appreciate that, Bo. Appreciate that, Austin Hoffman. <laughs> um, so I think that that they'll they'll try to keep Brian Johnson. Look, Brian Johnson. By the way, we didn't do a news update. Interviewed yesterday for the Falcons job. Uh, that's the third team that's interested in 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 him this year. Uh, he's well regarded around the league. He's had a lot of oh, thank you, Khalif. Feelings mutual for the audio listeners. Khalif was echoing. Uh, Bo sign off and said, we love you. And we, and we love all our loyal listeners and our new listeners as well. Um, so still did episode so far today. Uh, what episode? Stilted. Oh, we're, we're a little bit all over the place. Yeah, we are. We can, we can be a little better today. We can, I'll, I will take responsibility for that, but we have 30 more minutes to make this a good episode or get even uh, more off the track. I hope not. Uh, um, I would so, say that I would say, tell me if you disagree. Wait, 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 wait here. So I'm sorry. I think so the Eagles are very rooting for Brian Johnson to get a head coaching job. Sure. I would think that 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 gives you the best of both worlds there. Right. But I don't think they want to move on from Brian Johnson's off offensive mind. I do think there's validity to the argument, whether it's I think there's validity to the argument that Brian Johnson is not running his offense. He's running Sirianni's offense. But if you watch Brian Johnson at his previous stops, he's been. He's been creative. He's he's used personnel well. Uh, he's well regarded by the players on his team. I do think this offensive, this this offense needs to evolve, and perhaps that comes to Nick utilizing more Brian Johnson's ideas. But I, I think the the idea of getting a senior offensive voice in the building, not necessarily what Scangarello was, which is to bring new ideas, but but more so to kind of bring a kind of a respected voice, and you can kind of bring things together. We talked about Frank Reich. Maybe Frank Reich uh, fits fits that description for them. And then I think at the position coach level, maybe uh, adding or changing some of those seats and bringing in more established uh, what seats. Do you think might coaches. be might be up for changing? Well, I, I would say at this point, everything except offensive line coach, right? Is a conversation at least. Is a conversation. Yes. Yeah. Would you agree? I think that's probably fair. Yeah. I feel like uh I feel like Jamal Singleton is safe. Okay. Yeah. Two thousand yard rushers. Yeah, that's true. And and, and assistant head coach. Yeah. I, I think he's I think he's probably <laughs> feeling okay as as the running backs coach if Nick stays. I think everything else is a is a possibility. Uh, Deuce wants back in. I think Jason Michael's fine also. Okay. I don't think he's going anywhere. Okay. And then you, so I that leaves quarterback and wide receiver. You can, you can figure it out from there. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I, well, first of all, I think they're rooting for Brian Johnson to get a head coaching job because then they can replace him without getting rid of him, without mm -hmm. making waves against Jalen, and they're going to get a draft pick, right? Like, sure. that's obviously part of their calculation. And it's and and it's also it's a good sales pitch around the league that that you've. 
you you've built three head coaches or not built. You, Our team wasn't had, even good, and we got a head coach hired away. Three head coaches in two years is a, yeah that 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 shows you every time people talk about this organizational these organizational issues, we're the envy of the league, right? So true. Um, I do think I would be surprised if they don't add someone of significance to the offensive staff. Even if it is, even if it is Nick being allowed to take greater reign over the offense, or if even if they're handing over more responsibility to Brian Johnson, I think there's there's somebody else coming in. If I can interject and can and bring the conversation sideways for you one can interject, second, you can do whatever kind of jet you want. <laughs> but it's it's consistent with this this discussion. Have you? sketched out the musical chairs in in your mind of like which coaches get which jobs because i don't know if there's gonna be a seat there necessarily for brian johnson i i, I think that if belichick gets the atlanta job let's do it and, let's let's let's, yeah. let's have this exercise so so if belichick gets the atlanta job harbaugh gets the chargers job okay and ben johnson gets if washington. ben johnson gets Car- oh so if he gets washington if ben johnson gets washington then i think carolina could be in play for brian johnson for sure Yes. Right. I'm not sure Tennessee. What does that leave? Ten- Tennessee and, and Carolina. Las Vegas. And Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tennessee, Carolina, Las Vegas. Interviewed in Carolina. Could there be a Halby Brian Johnson package deal in Carolina? Well, you know, I mean, we know from just things that we've heard that like David Tepper views the Eagles as the organization that he wants to emulate. Yep. Um, like specifically. And so I think that is possibility. Um, who knows? Who knows what the relationship between Hallaby and Brian Johnson is? But you would imagine that being a pair that that would make sense. What what we've heard about Carolina is they want Dan Morgan to be like to stay there and be the head like personnel guy, but they want to hire a football executive above him, and so Hallaby makes sense on that front. Um, does Vrabel get a job? So. If if you think Ben Johnson's going to Washington, I think I think I think Carolina's Vegas, going to put the hard push for Ben Johnson as well. Right, you're both going to. But go Washington's on. a more attractive job. Probably so. Um, Vegas is probably either Antonio Pierce or Harbaugh. It seems like. Yeah, I think it's right? going to be Pierce. I think Pierce is back, and I think Harbaugh goes to the Chargers. Okay, and then leave. Then that leaves Tennessee. Yeah. For Mike McDonald, maybe. Or, or maybe Mike McDonald gets whatever Washington, Carolina one doesn't. Sure. Hire Ben Johnson. And then there's then there's nothing for Vrabel. Yeah. Now I think Vrabel's a candidate in Washington, but Vrabel could sit a year, right? He, I mean, he he got fired, correct? So he's getting paid. Yeah. Uh, it's it's you know when when they say there's a mutual parting of ways, but if you get fired, you're still getting paid. If you resign, you're not getting paid, right? So Correct. the semantics are important there. And Vrabel could be the top candidate next year. Uh, so Mike Wise oh, says Seattle. We forgot about Seattle. Oh, that's right. Okay. Well, if you're thinking Dan Quinn, although they're talking – they talked to Mike Kafka, your boy. Yeah. Uh, the coach who I – I think McDonald I, will get one of those jobs then. Now sure. That, now that we forgot about Seattle. Yeah, and then, I mean, I, th- I think Raheem Morris is a strong candidate. Uh, Raheem Morris is someone who got a head coaching job at a real young age in his you know early 30s in Tampa Bay, and he's grown since then. It wasn't he's, that he's, bad either. 
No, he's worked on both sides of the ball, right? He's a defense coordinator. He's been a wide receivers coach. Uh, he was Julio Jones's wide receivers coach, so he's experienced greatness up close. <laughs> he's so have you. <laughs> uh, I I think Raheem Morris is is a uh, is an interesting candidate, and I've heard a lot of real good things about him as well. What about Aaron Glenn? Yeah, I mean i've I've read a lot of good things about Aaron Glenn. I I don't know Aaron Glenn personally, um, but look, whatever Detroit's doing, I respect, and I I, I like a former. Uh, player, I think there's there's value in that, and certainly a lot of good head coaching. Or I'm sorry, a lot of good coaching experience was, uh, and it was a high level assistant with the Saints under Sean Payton. Uh, is, you know, working under Dan Campbell now is interviewed for jobs. Aaron Glenn certainly, certainly someone who uh, should be ready for that. Peckness migrate as a head coaching candidate. Brian Johnson, Aaron Glenn, Bobby Slowick. Man, well, Bobby Slowick has that pro football focus bump, so you must love that, right? <laughs> um, look, Brian Johnson. Uh, I'm closer to Brian Johnson than than you know some of these other coaches. Like I, I don't have as much information on Bobby Slowick other than the articles I read, and I was real impressed with the Texans offense when I watched it the other night, but don't know much about his. Like leadership ability certainly has has worked in in that in the Shanahan coaching tree and uh, look if D'Amico Ryan's picks you to be his offensive coordinator hand picks you uh, that's that's a good endorsement as well. It's like um, getting picked to go to the dance by the prettiest girl in school. <laughs> but I would I mean Brian Johnson I I do think Brian Johnson's a, a good offensive mind uh, has a great way of connecting with players. Look, the Eagles' offense was was not good enough this year, and I will tell you that. And Brian Johnson should tell you that, and Nick Sirianni should tell you that. Most importantly, and perhaps Brian Johnson should his play calling did leave much to be desired too. Uh, I do think Brian Johnson was had had more. Um, trying to find the right word here, I think he was restrained more than some other offensive coordinators and play callers might be, and so. But I also don't think you hire a guy because of what they do as a coordinator. You hire a guy for the leadership ability. You hire a guy for the personality. You hire a guy because of the uh, different experience and perspectives that he could bring. And that is – Brian Johnson's worked under uh, – you know, he worked under Dan Mullen. He worked under Urban Meyer, your boy. <laughs> um, he's still young at, at the NFL level. Worked with Shane, worked with Sirianni, uh, was – Alex Smith's backup at Utah. Um, yeah, I mean, Brian. Played for Averian Hurts. You're going all the way back. <laughs> I would say Aaron Glenn has has interesting experience that I like and has has high-level playing experience. Is it Aaron Glenn or Glenn Aaron? It's Aaron Glenn. Okay. And from all accounts, has like strong leadership ability as well. It comes down to if, you're, if you have a bias against defensive coaches, which – uh, fair or not, that that comes up here because, uh, and we've discussed this in the past. An argument that you hear is that you're a good defensive coach, and you you have an offensive coordinator in mind. That offensive coordinator is hired. Okay, it's much harder to replace your offensive coordinator than it is to replace your defensive coordinator. Um, time has shown that to be the case. You know who I would rather have than Bob. By the way, Slowick? we're talking about as prospective head coaches. We're not talking about for the Eagles here. Right. You know who I would rather have than Bobby Slowick? Who? 
Bobby Fastic. Oh, man, that's such a bad joke. Foco is a leading uh, manufacturer of sports and entertainment merchandise with a product line that includes apparel, accessories, toys, collectibles, novelty items, and more. It's the best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms. And if you're going to a basketball or a hockey game, you can do both on the same day tomorrow at Wells Fargo. They've got a Flyers game at noon and then UConn Villanova at night. Show off your love with team-branded friendship bracelets. Whether it is hoodies, jackets, beachwear, or even overalls, there is something for fans for almost every occasion. FOCO has hooked PHLY up and provided awesome pieces for our sets. FOCO always has our back for Philly sports, and they have yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in our description for all non-presale items. Use the promo code PHLY10 for 10% off. I also right. want to say that you and I nailed D'Amico. And oh, I wish. <laughs> You're ridiculous, Bo. You are ridiculous. Uh, I know we we nailed D'Amico in that back in 2021 when the Eagles were hiring Sirianni. We were saying, and they were interviewing Gerard Mayo, right? We both said, like, if you're interviewing Mayo, why aren't you talking to D'Amico Ryans here? And uh, I always said it's better to be a year early on a coach than a year late. Like, D'Amico is a, is a stud of a coach. And I understand that sometimes um, it's not necessarily good to just hire people you're exposed to. But there, there's also the argument that when you're exposed to somebody, you see it up close. That's better than a job interview. He was in your building. What's so funny? Are you reading the comments now? Uh, yeah, but I'm also reacting to you continually using the word expose in relation to D'Amico Ryans. But I don't know where your mind is most of the time. I, I mean, goodness, Bo. I am a... Uh... <laughs> you keep talking about D'Amico exposing himself to us. I mean... You've seen up close the type, of, the type of leader that he is. And... I'm not surprised at all by D'Amico Ryan's success. I'll put it that way. Okay. I agree. Okay. He's very handsome. <laughs> all right. All right. Anything else to talk about on the coaching front? Well, so I, I, I deviated that conversation. How do you expect them to fill the offensive staff? And do you I expect that gonna, senior offense? It, say Brian Johnson add. doesn't get a job. Yeah, I think they're still going to add someone of significance okay. to the staff beyond a beyond a, a different position coach. But you think Brian Johnson stays the offensive coordinator so long as he's not a head coach somewhere? I do. I would put, I would put if we if we say that Nick Sirianni is returning, I would put it at seventy turkeys that Brian Johnson remains the offensive coordinator. Okay. Maybe maybe eighty. What do you think? Yeah, I would probably put it at eighty as well. Okay. How unless Brian Johnson, unless Brian Johnson uh, wants to leave, right? right? Unless Brian Johnson's like, I can go be an offensive coordinator somewhere else and have this autonomy, and you know, not be coaching for my job, that kind of thing. I don't think they would let him out of his contract. Probably not. Yeah. Right. Send us a draft pick, maybe. But okay. Uh, what What are you thinking about these games this weekend, Zach? I'm going to talk about these games. Yeah, I can't wait to watch them. Um, number one. Uh, here, let me pull up my my notes here on these games. Um, so tomorrow is Houston at, at Baltimore, which we just talked about. D'Amico, Green Bay at San Francisco. 
So these are the two one seeds. Of these two, which one do you think, and someone asked me this the other day, which one is more likely to lose? Which one's more likely to get upset? And while you're thinking, I can answer. I think San Francisco is more likely to get upset here. Uh, I think Houston's well, a better team. if they lose, they get very upset. They spend a <laughs> long time being very upset. Good point. Uh, I think Green Bay is hot right now, and I'm not sure that they don't have the better quarterback in this game. I agree with that. I mean, and if, I, yeah. I think, yeah, as good as Stroud is, Lamar Jackson's better. Well, and they've got, I mean, you know, the Packers have this, like, such a long history of just getting dominated by the Niners in the playoffs. It would be very funny from uh, making fun of Aaron Rodgers' perspective if they got it done with Jordan Love. Um, sure. I, I think both are possible. I'm surprised at how lopsided both lines are. Um, but I would say I agree. I feel a little bit better about the Ravens than the Niners. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the Ravens are the best team I've seen this year. Now, obviously, they're, that's not a Of course, but it's, yeah, I mean, then it's not about who's the best team over the course yeah. of the season. It's who's going to be playing the best. I don't know. I, I feel I, I feel pretty good about the Niners, too. I think I think both sure. favorites will, will win those games, which you is not a crazy the, thing to say, but yeah. You think that's convincing? Uh, I mean, I, I bet that one uh, favorite beats the spread and one favorite doesn't. Okay. I don't Okay. And then that Tampa Bay. Detroit I actually, game. I think if I, I could see, like I could see Houston hanging in that game, and it's not a, it's not a blowout, but the, but the Ravens win by, you know, sure. a, a, a touchdown. That Tampa Bay Detroit game. Um, I think Detroit's going to kill. <laughs> Sorry, my, my, I think my son wanted to make a cameo. Let's bring, bring Reed in. Does he want to come in? Reed, I want to hear about me. you. I want to hear you about you cooking the Spurs. He wants to get something. I, I need to take my audio out then. Read, 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 read. We're doing a live read, show here. Okay, read, I think he's getting. Read. I think he's getting stage fright. Okay, that's fine. Um, so, anyways, <laughs> I I look at this and I say that uh, Green Bay can push the Niners, um, but by, I think Baltimore is a much better team than, than Houston on on Sunday's games. I like Detroit. Um, I'm really impressed with the medal that they've shown. That's a tough place to play. Uh, I'm not that impressed with, with with Tampa Bay, even though they did that against the Eagles. Uh, they didn't do anything I, against the Eagles. It was yeah. not an impressive performance by them. Sure, sure. I think they're going to get killed. You think Tampa Bay is going to get killed? Yes. Yeah. And then the Kansas City-Buffalo game, I saw this. I, I was reading this this morning. I couldn't believe it. Uh, I think it was Deion Dawkins who said that Patrick Mahomes has never played here when there are fans in the seats. And you think of all these like Bills Chiefs games, and they've all been in Kansas City for the most part, outside of 2020 when fans weren't in, in, in the stadium. Um, I, I'm big on Andy Reid. I'm big on. I'm obviously big on Patrick Mahomes. Right, bold bold take there. I usually pick Kansas City. It's our it's our running joke for five years doing this show that at the beginning of every year, my like, Kansas City's winning the Super Bowl. Uh, that said. <laughs> I see all that snow in Buffalo right now. And I, I think like you can call an offense of Josh Allen just running and try to tackle him. So uh, I am, I'm actually going to go Buffalo in that game. What about you? Interesting. I'm leaning Buffalo, but uh, I feel like push come to shove. I may just take Kansas City and just believe in Mahomes again and, and the heartbreak in, in Buffalo. Has the past 10 days changed your view on 
uh, how you know, on like if they should play games in these conditions, if stadiums should have domes, that kind of thing. No. Okay. I've got, I've, I've seen this argument reignite that like that, that, that for as much as we talk about elements, that game in Kansas city last week was, yeah, I think they could have moved the Kansas city game. I I think they probably didn't need to have human beings (laughs) sitting in the cold in that game, but I don't think that, I don't think that means they need to build a dome. (laughs) I think, and I've, I thought about this in recent years when I think back to that green Bay, uh, Giants game when like Tom Coughlin's face was yeah, I remember. red. I remember watching we that forget- game while I was bartending at Beefo Brady's. Oh, uh, look at that flex. Uh, we forget how old some of these coaches are. And like it's Andy Reid's in his 70s, right? Um, it's not healthy for for a man like that to be outside for five hours. He's he, I'm sorry, he's 65 years old. It's not healthy for a 65 year old man to be outside for you know five six hours in sub-zero temperatures his <laughs> he had icicles coming out of I, I, like we all saw the shot and i was listening to the kelsey podcast travis gave this anecdote of uh creed humphrey you know right. did, you, did you hear that and yeah, I did. Andy, andy reed comes over to him and he's giving him instructions creed humphrey says uh, uh coach you have something on your face he said i know it's a beauty pageant or it's a football not game a, not a beauty pageant yeah yeah like that, you like that? No, uh, he's he's read the chat's going nuts for you, man. Read the, the 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 fans want to see you. Oh, you have he has his helmet. He's so I'm mm. I'm I'm not uh a fan, right? I'm, I'm a reporter. My son's getting into a he's becoming a fan. Here, here, you want to wear your helmet? Okay, all right, we can't keep doing this, so we gotta get back to the show, Reed. Um, <laughs> sorry, he's he's a little nervous. Oh, it sounds like you're talking to me. What's that? that we, we can't, can't keep, keep doing, doing this. this. We got to get back to the show. <laughs> we got to get back to the show. Yeah. Uh, so, so you're going Chiefs, and you think the Lions smoke uh, them? Yeah, I don't. I don't feel super strong about Chiefs, but I, I would say that the one I feel strongest about is the Lions. Okay. And that pushes the Ben Johnson sweepstakes back another. Who are you? Uh, you're, you know, you're you're objective, but who are you? Who would you like to see win the Super Bowl? And who would you like to make sure it doesn't win the Super Bowl? Uh. Honestly, sometimes I roll my eyes at like narratives and I don't, you know, I don't subscribe that just because something is someone makes it has a take on Twitter, then that's the way people think. But there is enough Lamar Jackson stuff out there, right, that uh, this doesn't work in the playoffs and that kind of thing. And I just think Lamar Jackson's a special player. And so probably Baltimore. For that reason, because uh, I'm sick of I'm sick of reading that. I'm sick of hearing that. You don't have to be a type of quarterback to win in the postseason. You just have to be a good quarterback to win in the postseason. Uh, you know, he has gotten hurt, and you can say that's that's based on the way he's he's played. It's it's been un- unfortunate, but like Peyton Manning got hurt, Tom Brady got hurt, right? So he's just got. I mean, Lamar Jackson just got hurt at the wrong times. Tom Brady got hurt in Week One of a season and towards ACL and was, and was out for the year. Um, so probably Baltimore for that reason. And I, I just, I think that, that, that I, I respect the way they built that team. Um, every year when we're, when you and I do our, our draft grades and we have these guys like ranked at a certain way and they fall in the draft and then Carolina takes, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Baltimore takes them. And 
it's it's just I've, i have had a lot of like my my shadow draft picks end up on baltimore yes. ex- exactly so it just seems like they they Shout don't out outsmart geno stone yeah they don't outsmart the room right um they're just well coached they're tough they don't make excuses they've they've they lose players and they keep winning uh even their down years they keep winning so yeah now they they need to erase some of these these postseason struggles but but that would be the team i i would like i would look out for what about you uh you know what i i kind of like i i think there's a nice story to be told for almost all of the all of the teams remaining um i i would like i would like baltimore that's a good one detroit would be fun um you know buffalo you'd feel good for the for the fans green bay i think would be a lot of fun in the in the like the first year post aaron Rodgers, that would be so great um I'm not a particular fan of of Kyle Shanahan, but that's no surprise. I don't know. That's about all I've got there. Now we're gonna be down at the, not down out at the Super Bowl. Okay. Uh, oh so baby, we, we have five shows. Ground. We Your have five place shows in the world. Yeah, we have five shows out out there, and so from a storyline perspective, now obviously when we're there, we're not talking game all the time. We're still talking Eagles. And we'll, we'll have guests rolling through throughout all five days. But uh, if Detroit's there, you know, you got the C.J. Gardner-Johnson storyline. Oh, yes. The C.J. Gardner-Johnson storyline. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. That's it? <laughs> no, there's there's other storylines. You crapped on my C.J. Johnson notes. Well, so I think I think you've got the Halapulavati Vitae storyline in Detroit. In Texas, is, you've got is, is Coyote still on the lines? Of course he is. Okay. Coyote Awashika. Uh so yeah, so that's a that's a big one. If it's the 49ers, you've got uh, Javon Hargrave and Matt Pryor. If it's uh if it's Green Bay, you know, they don't they don't have Rasul anymore. Do they they've got the Rudy Ford storyline, of course. You've got the Rudy Ford storyline. If it is who else are we forgetting in the NFC? Oh, Tampa Bay. Who does Tampa Bay have that that on their current roster? Who is a former Eagle? Anybody? Oh, Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles from last year. Todd Bowles from last last week. Baltimore, you've got the Nelson Aguilar storyline. Wait, Reed, come in, buddy. Yeah, here he goes. Here's 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 Reed. This is my son. Reed. Here, you want me to take my AirPods out so you want to hear? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Oh, the chat's gonna go nuts. Reed, can you hear us? Uh, <laughs> can you say Reed, Reed, hello, you're everybody? Alive, <laughs> right, he's a little nervous. Okay, that's okay. Dynamite cameo. Dynamite cameo. Reed, we can talk about wheelhouse, wheelhouse cards. Sorry about that. Um, but uh, I, the Detroit one fascinates me the most for from this perspective. Okay. There's Super Bowl media night that we'll go to, and Coyote Awashika is going to be there. And uh, I would love to see like 55 minutes of you talking to Coyote. And there's there's like a a Boston reporter who wants to talk to him about his UMass days, but he's boxed out because you're doing Buffalo. Buffalo reporter, sorry, who's talking about his Buffalo days? Who was I confusing him with from UMass? Sorry, Jack Driscoll. No, no, no. They had somebody else. last year from UMass, but uh, from his Buffalo days and, and all anyhow, and the, 
the so so Tim Graham is at the Super Bowl and he's he's talking about his Buffalo days and he can't get in because you do a fifty five minute wolf stand. Well, I mean, let's make it sixty. Sixty. There you go. Uh, hold on, we have to finish going through the former Eagles. Okay. We did uh, Baltimore, Buffalo. You've got obviously Ryan Bates and Rasul Douglas and Jordan Poyer. Um, oh, and uh, they've also got Linval Joseph, I believe. Kansas City, Prince Tegawanogo. That's the one. Yeah. <laughs> That's the Eagles connection. Prince Tegawanogo. <laughs> and then uh, Houston. We said we said D'Amico. and Cameron and Johnston. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, let's let's just workshop this while we have an audience here. What's the plan? I think it's good that we uh, read aside, which was the highlight of the episode. I think I it's good think so. that we we followed up what people were saying was the best PHLY uh, Eagles episode yesterday with arguably our worst. I don't think this was the worst. <laughs> um, but uh, if, a, if a change is made or if a decision comes in the next 24, 48 hours, what's our, what's our, our uh, plan for our shows? I think depending on what the news is, we, I mean, we will have a an emergency reaction pod. Yes, if there is an official announcement from the team, um, timing wise, it you know it might have to wait a couple hours, but uh, we will we will do that for sure. I mean, I think if it's if there if the only announcement is you know Nick Sirianni it has been retained mm-hmm. and changes to come, then you know I don't know that we need to do too much. If the if the announcement is there's uh, a sacking, as they would say, across the pond. Then uh, certainly we would we would do an emergency show for a while, as as long as we can, uh, as quickly as we can. But I don't know. What do you think? Well, you know, I saw Mike Florio on Pro Football Talk uh, write about this that the Eagles might not put out an, an announcement at, at at all. Like Dallas puts out an announcement that Mike McCarthy is coming back, and he says the Eagles might might view that almost like beneath them, like. You don't announce that your coach is coming back if he's coming back. Uh, yeah, I think it's more likely that it's like they they let the reporters know. Sure. You know, Adam Schefter says mm-hmm. that you know Nick Sirianni will be back. Expect some some yeah. staff changes, and then the Eagles don't announce anything until they've actually let people go. Yeah, but we are due to talk. You know, we should say we're we're due to talk to Nick and or Howie and or Jeffrey uh, at, at the end of the season now. It's supposed to be this week. Uh, I think for obvious reasons, we can understand that this isn't, you know, there, there's still a decision to be made here, right? Um, you know, we all remember that 2010, I'm sorry, 2021 press conference when like Doug and Hal and Howie talked the day after the season and then all of a sudden they're, you know, Doug's fired a week later, right? So they probably want to get their, their ducks in a row here, but um, we are going to hear from them. What do you think would be the funniest outcome? <laughs> the funniest. Um, <laughs> to find funny here. Like what? The Eagles announced Sean Desai as head coach. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, the funniest outcome would be would be Matt Patricia's promoted. <laughs> or or like, you know, no, they they make all these changes, but they keep Matt Patricia as defensive coordinator, I think. Mm-hmm. Would be yeah, that would be <laughs> funny. Yeah, let's let's build around Matty P. I hope that there's a press conference that in that features Nick Sirianni somehow doing something even weirder to a water bottle than Doug Peterson did in what was that 2019 2019 yep watch that video again it's so funny like, it was happening right doing? in front of us it was happening right in front yeah of us. and then at yeah. the very end of the clip I was watching the other day you see Nick, Doug give the you 
like he starts to do this yeah. when Reed was what, like three years old by that point. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's still, you know, um, it's, it's like the line about John Kennedy that he's, he's forever 45. Right. Like uh, in Doug Peterson's mind, um, you know, my wife's forever, like just had the baby because every time he sees me, he's asking about the baby and you know, Reed's right here. He's six years old. So, uh, but then there was the, he might've been referring to Sloan, but Sloan's five years old now. So, Good for you. Yep. All right. That'll do it for this episode of the PHLY Eagles podcast. We will be back if there is news before Monday. And if not, we'll be back Monday at noon, I believe. So stay tuned for that. And thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Enjoy the snow day for all the locals. And for Julia, who, by the way, I need to apologize. Even as Jeffrey Lurie, I should have called you uh, the executive assistant yesterday. My secretary was, I think, you know, too, too crass. Um, so apologies there. Speaking of the class of 2004, you got Julia. You don't, don't age her. You said we went to high school together. You can't, I mean, it'd be weird if we're talking about someone who was like in sixth grade when I was a senior. I mean, that'd be, it. um, yeah, Julia and I went to high school together. Is that bad to say, Julia? No, that's not bad. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Julia Cameo. Julia Cameo. Hi, just a quick one. <laughs> okay, right. bye. Well, for, for all of us here at PHOY, we thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. We will talk to you later. And as always, we love you. Y'all silly like the mayor. 